welcome to the Yellow Card Podcast brought to you by Global Stars. I'm Stephen Brandt, and online is um, Chris Clough. We're back for a, we're back after a long Thanksgiving. Well, it seems like it was a long Thanksgiving break because I was snowed in before it. So, anyway, and it was funny, Chris, while we were doing the show last week, that, remember, you heard about that snowstorm that hit Buffalo, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You couldn't miss it. It was on national telly. It hit as we were going off air. <laughs> oh, sorry to hear that. Uh, we, yeah. we, you know, we didn't have any snow in Portland. <laughs> as because it was a what, what it was, what, it wasn't just your traditional snowstorm where it dumps eight feet of snow on you. It was a thunder snow. So okay. as we're going off air, I hear thunder. I'm like, oh, this one's not going to be fun. The funny thing about that is um, Buffalo is a big city. It's split between it's split over the throughway. It's split between the throughway. So whenever people hear Buffalo gets hit by a snowstorm, they automatically think I've gotten nailed. When in reality, the outer suburbs, and I mean the outer southern suburbs, this is where like there's towns by me that the Population is mostly cattle, so that's okay. what really that, that's what really got hit. I mean, downtown, I I was taking I was kicking my soccer ball around. I mean, not saying that it, there was green grass because I mean I'm a little bit psycho with this, but well, I was out I was out in a foot foot to two feet of snow south of the freeway. There were our mayor is not a small guy. He's maybe six feet tall. And they had him standing, doing, like, updates for the local news. And they had him uh-huh. standing near a drift every time. He's at least six feet tall. And yeah. The, and it kept piling up behind him. And I'm looking at this going, that ain't fun. That's not going to be fun right there. Yeah. So, you know, anyway. I've, I've experienced uh, snow like that when I was active duty in the Air Force. I lived up in... Uh, limestone, Maine. Uh, some people called it boring, luring Air Force Base, and and we just called it Occupied Canada. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, you you'd have snow piles uh, up until the month of May, and sometimes even into June that were still present in the uh, along the roadsides or in the big in the big parking lots. So, you know, I've I've had my share of snow. Um, so, you know, in that time, moving to, uh, Portland to the Northwest was something that's like, you know, I've lived in upstate New York and I've lived in upstate Maine. I, I've had my share of the North coast of America. So, so I'm on the Northwest now. My dad, who's 70 years old, has, has had it, had it with the snow for the last two years. Now he's trying to, he, he's trying to figure out a way while well, he's trying He's trying to figure out a way for it to be out of upstate New York each of the next couple of years for the horrible parts. Now, unfortunately, this next year he can't get out during January because my sister's having another child, so he's going to be around. But he's trying to find places to go where there is a – and he's not a huge soccer fan, but he, he knows his son is into it. So he's going different places – or he can find unique soccer stuff for me. So I'm like, hey, it's cool, my 70-year-old father. And we're, pl- we're trying to plan a w- road trip to one of the many MLS games I can get to because I'm literally driving distance to Philly, New York, um, Boston, Columbus, and um, Toronto. So I can, yeah. see, I can see enough. And this is why, this is why when people say, Buffalo should have an MLS team. We don't need one. We can get anywhere at any point, and God forbid something ever goes into Cleveland. Anyway, coming up today, we're going to talk about the MLS playoffs. I I noticed when Chris was talking about the show, he he posted an article about the MLS playoffs expanding, which I kind of agree with. I kind of want to see because – because I'm a Timbers fan and I don't like not having the Timbers in the playoffs and just various <laughs> other soccer stuff that gets in there. 
Yeah, I, I'm completely biased. I mean, it's funny. You would think, Chris, that me being out on the East Coast and living in Kansas for 10 years, I'd be a sporting Kansas City fan. But no, I'm a Timbers fan. Well, that's that's good. I mean, you know, it's Rose City till I die out here like you would not believe. Um, but, but you know, you you mentioned the playoff teams. I, I had a chance to listen to part of what Don Garber had to offer up today. And apparently the number of playoff teams, that has not been etched in stone. But his his explanation was, and, you know, I'll reserve judgment here for a few minutes, but his his explanation was, is like the NBA, like the NHL, we want to try to hit the 50% point with respect to teams. Now, next year, there's 20 teams. But his thinking was, and the thinking of the league, the owners, is that within the next, you know, one to three years, the league is going to be at 24 teams, not 20 teams. So when you say six teams, you're at that 50% mark. I think, um, and, and I'll still kind of reserve judgment, my own personal opinion here on that for a minute, but, you know, part of, I think, the some of the feedback I've seen when I tweeted out, you know, you know what's that all about, you know, there's so many people in this country that are that are transplants from Europe or, or Asia or, or Africa or South America or Central America where, you know, playoffs don't exist in soccer. So so the idea that that you actually water down, if you will, the the playoff picture um even more I think is alien to a lot of people and it's and it's against the single table kind of kind of picture um and you know my filters i learned the game of uh soccer in england so i'm you know i'm kind of you know from a judgment standpoint i'm kind of with those people i think five is a good number um and you know i think when you have 24 teams i think that's kind of more representative of 30 or 35 percent which is more like the nfl i think um, I don't know. What do you What do you think about that, Steve? Well, well, you know, I, this is something I. I mean, I'm, I'm nitpicking on this with um, that there aren't playoffs in soccer. Um, isn't there playoffs in England to go to the next level? I know I'm splitting there, hairs here. There, there are when you're in the lower divisions. That's correct. There are playoffs in the lower divisions uh, when they when they fight for promotion. Yeah. Um, so for example, like if you're in a conference, uh, geez, the English championship league, I think it's the top six or it might be the top four, but I think it's the top six that, uh, vie for the final three that get promoted to the premier league. Uh, but you know, when they do that though, I mean, the the volume of income that comes with that is is tremendous compared to what's yeah. normally in the championship league. So, you know, I can understand where the value of playoffs has meaning, but but here, I mean, you know, the the supporter shield was Seattle, the Open Cup was Seattle, and you know, for all intents and purposes, um you know they they could have taken a treble and and I think the playoffs in this country have value with respect to that because they have the supporter shield as a separate thing um but but I just you know I I just have a hard time understanding that a team who who wins less than 50% of their games could make the playoffs and and you know, granted, they're most likely not going to win. But you know, soccer is a funny game, and it can turn on a dime. And you just don't want that dime to be in your pocket. You want it to be in your opponent's pocket. So, you know, I just, I just really think that, you know, going to six teams and hitting that fifty percent thing, you know, it's not for the sake of soccer that they're doing that. I think. It's for the sake of money. 
Oh, yeah, it's completely for money. And, I, and the cynical point of me thinks it's the parachute for NYCFC to get to get into the playoffs if they're not equipped. Because, I mean, and another thing I'm sick of is hearing about freaking Frank Lampart, Freddie. Um, I, I'm a, I can see this getting watered down by adding another team. But these playoffs have been fun this year. And I hope that next year, I mean, my, minus Terry Henry and Landon Donovan, that it will be as fun next year as it is. But you can't always guarantee it. Like that in, every, in other sports, you can't guarantee it in, in the college basketball and college football that each playoffs is going to be different. Um, I, The cynical part of me is thinking that this is the parachute to get New York City FC in because they're weighing so much on us. I mean, we we were led to believe that to get to get into to get an expansion team you had to have a soccer specific team. Yeah, if you're New York City FC or the Miami Vice Machine or where David Beckham is, that they they don't really have to. They just have to have some building to be in. Um, the problem I yeah. have with the MOS is that they tend to mess with the rules. A lot. Now, I know the NFL messes with rules every now and then, but it just seems like Carver and the committee or whatever his league structure is, is always tinkering every month with the rules. There isn't a set rule book for the league. It's, we'll just make it up on the fly. And that's kind of sad because I think this league is actually growing and getting better. And I've only been watching really for the last four years, and I can say I have seen a difference. Now I'm not going to say it's up to the level of the champions um, championship in, in England or the SPL, but you know I have seen some better play in the league. And now they have the CBA coming up, and they're trying to mess with more rules to get more teams in. They're trying to Americanize this too much. And we went down this way with the NASL, and that killed the league. Now, of course, MLS has lasted, and it's it's on somewhat stronger feet. We don't know truly how much money this league loses, but all leagues, all teams lose money. You are, if you're sitting out there listening, thinking you want to be get, you want to get into sports because you're going to make lots of money back off a little bit and think about it. There's a lot of people that come in and don't make any money. And these teams lose money hand over fist. It's very few teams. I think like Man- Manchester United just broke even for the first time in years. Liverpool is always teetering on that edge. And, I mean, look what happened to Leeds, for God's sakes. They tumbled down They, cut, they tumbled down the the, the the pyramid, and they haven't been the same again. And they're one of the iconic franchises. Sorry, clubs. That's something I don't get used to is having to switch back and forth. Um, yeah. Yeah, Glasgow I, Rangers were in the same boat financially as well. So. Yeah, well, they still are. I mean, I, I'm biased because yeah. I am a um, Celtic fan. I'm Catholic. I saw – I and we, you don't know. I mean, Rangers might fall – Rangers will probably fall apart again. We'll probably fall apart again. I mean, they need eight million dollars to um, be able to make it until next year, not next calendar year, next SPL year. Yeah. So that's that's. I mean, there, there's a lot to it. Um, I listen to bits and pieces of it, but I don't believe what these commissioners say because it it always seems by these commissioner league meetings and these league press conferences so over-sanitized and so it's it's like Big Brother. You don't you don't hear anything bad. It's everything is perfect. And that just the pure sense of me, my media training just my spidey sense just kicks up on that going, this ain't right. Because no media is on stable ground. Not everything's perfect. I mean so he, he did, so he put out all these good things. He talked about he wants to develop Canada. 
well, here's the here's here's the joke, Don Garber, or as I call him in a lot of writing, Commissioner Big Ears. Canada, <laughs> Steven. I'm sorry, his ears bug the hell out of me. Don Garber is one of the. I have a lot of time for Don Garber. I really do. I I don't think any other person could have come into this league when he did and make it what it is without his brains. Now, I know a lot of people have issues with him. I I don't. I, I don't have a good feel for him either way. It's just good enough. Um, Canada has been trying to make Canada a better soccer country. They're, they're decades behind. I mean, they don't have an established league, for God's sakes. So yeah, you know, to, the... Yeah, go on with this. You would know this a little bit better. Well, hmm. Yeah, I mean, the the struggle I think with Canada is is that you know the the major sport there that every kid grows up watching on telly is ice hockey, and you know ice hockey in Canada is soccer in England, and you know I don't I don't know if that ever goes away. Um, I, I just don't know. Um, I mean, I've been to Montreal a few times, Quebec a few times, and uh, or Quebec City, I should say. I've not actually been up to Vancouver yet. But, you know, there's, there's transplants um, in Vancouver, and I'm sure there are in, in other cities in Canada as well from Europe that, that love the game of footy. So, you know, I, I, I think it'll catch on there. You know, I'm not sure I get it. When Don Garber says, you know, we need to think about the United States and Canada and Mexico, as in North America, Central America, being a powerhouse for soccer. And, you know, okay, right now, you know, I think, I think that's that's wishful thinking. I don't even think that's an end state that that you know a board of directors could could glom onto. Um, you know, I think they. They they envision things two to three years out, I think, uh, and and I kind of get that from from listening to Don Garber for a short period of time today. I mean, others might have a different view, but I I don't I don't think they envision what the league looks like in ten years. And even Don Garber kind of admitted that. Um, I mean, he was happy that that uh, Rob Stone steered the direction away from a single league table. Um, to the expansion and just adding teams. Um, but, you know, personally, I'd like to see that discussion come back at a later date. And it's not a single league table with respect to having 30 teams in the league. I think something more more interesting down the road that takes advantage of the playoffs is trying to set up a model like the NFL and the AFL, where, okay, if I got 12 teams in in one league, I mean one conference, and I got twelve teams in another conference. Well, you know I don't play everybody in that other conference that year. I just play like five or six teams, or eight teams, but I play everybody in my conference twice. Then you really got a good conference champion. Then you really have a good table, if you will, and then it's the playoffs. You know where it's internal within each conference, and then you have the AFL versus the NFL, if you will. I should say the AFC versus the NFC. And in the final, in in the Super Bowl, which I'm glad, you know, that the NFL doesn't call it the World Bowl, like baseball calls it the World Series. I mean, it's, you know, it's not the World Series, but it's, you know, Major League Baseball's final championship. But, I mean, I'm sure that'll rankle a few feathers too. But, um, you know, to me, that that's something that ought to be on the the long-term plan, if you will. Um, and, you know, if that involves Canada as being part of the 24 or 30, you know, that that's great. Um, I, I'm okay with that. I mean, you've already got Montreal. You've already got Toronto. You've already got Vancouver. Uh, Edmonton, I think, has got a, a soccer team. I think there's a few others that are of status, I guess. Um so that that's kind of my thoughts on on that you know the 
the the playoffs and the whole the whole kind of picture with Canada and uh and the United States. Does that help, Stephen? Yeah, because I mean I, I was thinking about that. I mean the Canadian national team isn't anything to write home about. I mean, Dwayne Diosario is about the only player we know of them that they've had a bit and but you've got to, I mean, the thing that always popped up with how with what they're good with is the um, Vancouver Whitecaps residency. They're able to bring players in. So there is a talent. There's a talent birth right there. So, I mean, I eventually we're going to get to it. I like it. I like the idea of a single table for if we ever take away the playoffs. Because I think, I think we have the problem like England has is that a couple of our cups just don't matter, or they just try not to matter. Like the U.S. Open Cup is like the English League Cup over England. Is that you just see some team, some clubs just don't care here. I mean, Bruce Arena just doesn't care. I don't think he even coaches LA LA Galaxy. I think he sends his assistant to do it. And then you have teams like. You're, then you have teams like Seattle that have taken it very seriously. You've got five of them. I mean, there has to be, there has to be, and maybe this is a bigger problem in all of soccer, is that if you enter a league cup or, like, the Champions League, but to take it seriously, I mean, I, I would love to see, see Portland in the finals of the league cup the U.S. Open Cup, which has been around for a hundred years, and to be able to chance to win it, but I don't think Caleb Porter has taken it seriously. I did Mike Petke take it seriously against the Cosmos this year? No. It's. I would love to see well, Porter's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you're right, Stephen. I think you know, kind of. One thing I've kind of picked up, and and I won't say I've heard it probably directly from anybody, but I think it's more indirectly from a number of folks, is that the the value of the Open Cup and the value of the CONCACAF Champions League, if that's what it's called, um, is not the same for the organizations as the MLS League. Um, because that's that's the franchise. Um you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I feel, I don't know, next to sure, next to confident, I suppose that, you know, if Caleb Porter had to do it again, um, I think, you know, getting in one of the two versus none of the two is always a better scenario. And, you know, all things considered, I mean, you can't, you can't look. Well, you, you can look ahead, but. You, when you look ahead, you don't know the result when you look ahead. But, but in in thinking about it, I'm I'm sure you know there might have been a bit more grist in that game down there in in Honduras where they lost three uh, one, and they, I mean they had they had you know they lost on away goals, and you know I think if that opportunity were to arise again, you know that's an opportunity for silverware that's you know, outside the curve of, of MLS. I think I think Caleb Porter would probably have played some stronger players. Um but you know you know his his thinking is is he thinks he can he can get away or not get away, but he can start other players that he feels are are strong enough to compete and win. And and they didn't. I mean the guy that Honduran striker had a beautiful bicycle kick and it's like, you know, what are you gonna do? Um, but but I think you're right. You know the the focus of of the Open Cup is is probably not that much. And <clears throat> same with the Champions League. I mean, you know the the big big difference here is the amount of travel. It's like um, who was I I talk I was talking with a guy from uh, from Spain uh, the other day, and you know he said you know he wouldn't mind being a head coach in Major League Soccer. But he he didn't want to do it, and, and one of the reasons why was is say for example Toronto goes to play Houston. Okay, so so they lose a half day because they they have to get prepared to fly. 
the logistics associated with flying. And then they have to fly five to six hours, however long it takes to get from Toronto to, to Houston. And then they land, and then they have the power down, right? So that's another mm-hmm. five to six hours. So that that's already, you know, 18 hours of a day, which is almost two full days of training, basically, out the door. And then they have the game, right? And then they have the the wind down, the logistics, and then they have to fly back, and then they have the day off. So, you know, he you know, Toronto's just gone to Houston and they might have to do that twice. Well they might have had to have done that twice last year. Yeah? So that's four days that that head coach has just lost in touch football. You know what I mean? Where the players mm-hmm. are touching the football. Because they're all they're doing is playing the ninety minutes of the game and that's it. That's four full full days that they've lost. So if if you got a team that goes to Houston and and then they got another game, say for example, in Orlando City next the next weekend, that's another four days that are gone. So the the head coach has really only got two days to prepare his team physically for that game that again doesn't take place for another two days. So, you know, that I mean that that's huge and that's why I think, you know, the more teams that get into this league, yeah, it'll water down a little bit. But, you know, if this league gets up to thirty or even thirty two and you got sixteen and you got sixteen, you got one conference and you got another conference, so that's fifteen times uh, two, that's 30 games, and if you want to stick with 34 games, then you play three or four teams from from the other conference, and, and you set it up like the AFC and the NFC. So, yeah, I mean, that's the second time I brought that up, Stephen. So I won't <laughs> I won't pretend like no. that's a, a soapbox, but I mean, I've got a soapbox, and I want to talk later on the best 11. But anyhow, what are your thoughts? Oh yeah, the best 11. I I love that stunt, and I just. And people are yelling at MLS for accidentally putting it out and putting it back in. But we've seen this in other sports. You know, one of the things I'm getting annoyed with, and maybe it's because I'm not a negative head when it comes to sports, is just the outpouring of just, I want to criticize whatever some, someone does with the MLS. Okay, so they put it out. I know of NCAA press releases that have been released and retracted before many times. I know the NBA has done it because I've talked to someone that's done it before. But when I, as soon as the D.C. United people saw Bill Mead put as the goalkeeper, they all started laughing, and then they saw it retracted. Folks, this is what happens when a league or a company uses only interns to run specific things. Now, I'm not going to get onto my soapbox about employment history because I, I could go to a really dark place, and I'm not going to. I am not going to do that on on air. I'll, I'll do that do that when I have the phone off and my feet up. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. I... The fact the fact that people are holding these positions that are social media experts. It's a new thing, folks. A new thing. I remember a time, and I once again, folks, I'm young, where news would come out the next day, or we would hear about it on the radio. Once again, folks, I'm 35. So the fact that things are being put out instantly and being screwed up, folks, I used to screw up... I used to screw up my media cat, my um, newscast when I was back in Kansas. It happens all the time. Now that there's a best eleven, it's like the Pro Bowl. It's like the All Star Games. I have it's it's a popularity contest, and I'm sure <laughs> some, and I'm sure some of it is clauses and contracts that how many people put up. It's it's cute. It's nice that you see Landon Donovan and Thierry Henry on it and BWP in it. That's nice. But the, here's the thing. 
at the do we remember the start of the um, best eleven for last year? No. Or like do we do we remember who lost in the lost in the um, MLS Cup last year? No. We we remember what happened this year. And yes, it's good to have a best eleven or a goal or a dream team or all that because it gives you something like what we're doing right now to talk about it basically. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, here here here's here's my gripe. This is my this has been since for 4 years now and that's about as long as I've been following MLS really closely. Is I'll, I'll set up an example first. The the All-Star team for Major League Baseball is a left fielder, a center fielder, a right fielder, third base, shortstop, second base, first base, pitcher, catcher. Those are the positions on the field of play. A team doesn't go out there. Well, with respect to outfielders, they select three outfielders. I got that. Most guys, except probably center fielders, can probably play left, right, or center. Uh, most guys, unless you know, especially if they're all stars. But but when when you think about positional play in soccer. And maybe the the Major League Baseball is a bad example of it. But, you know, nobody in Major League Soccer plays a 3-4-3. Nobody. They play two center backs. They play two full backs. They play four midfielders. Usually one's a CDM. Usually one's an attacking midfielder. And then you got two wingers. And uh, then you have two strikers. Or you can play a 4-3-3. So it's kind of like a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3. In every single year that MLS has identified a best 11, and and please somebody call me out on this, a fullback has never, ever been identified, as far as I know, in the last four years, as a member of the best 11. It's always been three center backs. And, you know, probably one of the best success stories of this year for for the U.S. men's national team and for the Seattle Sounders is DeAndre Yedlin. He's a fullback. He's going to go play for Tottenham. Hopefully he gets meaningful minutes with the first team. There's nobody else that, you know, that I'm aware of that's leaving MLS to play in Europe. It doesn't happen. At least not this year. So, So how can... The franchise itself ignore one of the most critical positions in attacking and defending on the pitch based upon how teams counterattack and play possession-based soccer in Major League Soccer. I, I just don't get it. And, and as long as two fullbacks are never picked, I will never, and, and quote me on this, I will never, ever believe that the MLS Best 11 has any value Whatsoever. Oh, That's I don't think me. any of the, I don't think any of, yeah, I don't think any of these mean anything. It's just a, it's just a talking point, and and I would bet the people that are picking this don't have their coaching badges, don't really know. If, the only thing they know about the sport is football manager, and that's about it. And I'm, I'm not I'm being kind of picky here because I've got I've got it on my broken laptop, so I mean I know of soccer because of the video games, but. I think you're going to get perfection out of these all-star teams. I mean, for God's sakes, I I remember the NBA all-star game where Magic Johnson was retired, was retired, and they still picked him to play in the all-star game. I mean, that's when it jumped the shark for me in all this, is that they picked up retired. I mean, what's not saying that we can't pick Carlos Valderrama for the best 11 next year. I mean, he's been gone for 10 years. I mean, yeah. Who's not saying the best 11 for uh, league wherever Blackburn is? They could pick um, Alan Shearer. I mean, that's just just, what it is. Well, they better because he was one of the top strikers in the country, if not in the world, in his heyday. Yeah. But but here's the other thing. I. You know, I I I pick on about fullbacks is, 
You know, even in the All-Star game, fullbacks were slighted. I think Caleb had three, and I think he added one late on to get the third or the fourth because I think he ended up having Parkhurst play as a fullback uh, because he's played as a fullback, I think, for the U.S. men's national team. But, but, But to me, that communicates a significant weakness, I think significant weakness in the understanding on the value of role-playing of soccer players in this country. And the fullback, bar, bar a central hub attacking kind of midfielder or central defending midfielder, fullbacks have the most touches game in and game out of any player in the sport. And when you have the most touches, that translates to, at least in my view, the most opportunity to influence the outcome of a game. And to see the MLS best 11 ignore the players who have the most touches, and then to see the soccer all-star team ignore the players, you know, the positions that have the most touches on the pitch, to me transcends that the that there's still a learning curve in soccer and understanding the value of positional play. I, and, oh, and, obviously. You know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, that that's mine and I'm going to stick to it. So uh, that that's the other sticker I've got with uh, the best 11 and just fullbacks and how they're slighted in general in MLS. You know, well, I, I and, think, and I think, go ahead. Well, yeah, go on, go on with that. Well, and I think that transcends to the U.S. men's national team. If if the major populace isn't educated enough, and 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 I don't want to say that in the wrong way. If if the main populace misses the opportunity to understand how much fullbacks influence a game, then they miss seeing some of the strengths and weaknesses of the U.S. men's national team in how they behave on the pitch. Um, so, and and again, you know, it kind of goes back to, <laughs> you know, that, you know, that article that I wrote and, you know, the one that's been the talking point on and off for, for about a month now is, you know, if you want to get better as a soccer player, you know, everybody probably feels or thinks you ought to play in Europe. To do that, and you know, I've, I've put together some quantitative analysis that says the same thing, and it gets down to control. And if you have 80 touches a game, and this is excluding throw-ins, by the way, if you have 80 touches a game, and your passing accuracy is 65 percent, that's not very good, and that's down to control. So if you want to get better, like DeAndre Edlin is clearly intent on doing, he's going to go play with Tottenham. I hope the first team again. Um, he's going to get more opportunity to get more touches in more critical areas of the pitch than than he would here in MLS because MLS is kind of a wide-open game where there's a little bit more space, not necessarily time, but a little bit more space to push the ball back and forth. I mean, you watch the games this this past weekend, right? Of course. Yeah, and, you know, I think Kyle Martino and I think even uh, Taylor Twelman might have separately both said, you know, they're, or, or maybe they didn't, maybe it's just what I observed. But, you know, there's a lot of ping pong going on back and forth. A lot of lack of control in the first 10 or 15 minutes, first 20 minutes, first 30 minutes, into the 40-minute period, into the second half, you know, and and gosh, I don't feel or think I see that when I watch the EPL or the Bundesliga or La Liga. Um, so you know that that lack of recognizing fullbacks, I think you know, stems from a lack of recognizing the importance of control. Because I think you know, the better fullbacks you have, the better they're going to control the ball. So. That that's my soapbox. Sorry, I've repeated that phrase too. <laughs> no problem. No problem. <laughs> I, I, think, I think part of, I think part of the problem is, and Alan Hinton 
talked about this about a month ago on here is that there was a, there was this time in the sport here in the states where the American was just stuck at fullback, and of course that was a different game at the time. So it's kind of like this generation's trying to ignore its past because, as we know, most of the new people that follow soccer don't think there's any there has been a history in the sport in the United States, and I've been fighting that for six years. Oh, anyway, um, you you live close you live close enough to say um, Seattle that 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 Western Conference game was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, yeah, it was. I think Ziggy Smith did what he wanted to do, which was play counterattacking and and take the opportunity to score the goal when when he when he got um, when he could play quickly long in and catch the LA uh, Galaxy playing higher um, up the pitch. You know, the more space that that Martins and Dempsey have to move into along with Nagel and the supporting cast of Evans, etc. You know, the more space they had between the goalkeeper and the defender, you know, the better Seattle did. Um, but, you know, when when L.A. got that, got that goal, though, um, you know, they, they dropped back. They played deeper. Um, and, and that space kind of went away. And it, it's a shame that uh, Dempsey missed a... I wouldn't call it a sitter, but it was pretty close to being a sitter that would have put them up three nil. Because I think if they go up three nil, they they win. There, there's no question about it. Um, yeah, I, I mean it was an exciting a, a match. Fun. Yeah, that was a fun one, and I, I'm getting this. I'm getting a sense with Seattle. We, we've uh, I've heard this pumped around enough. Is that there are actually fans out there that want to see you get fired. Oh, yeah, boy, I'd say that's few and far between. Yeah, I, I, I look at this and I, you had a basically a double. You're one of the top teams in the in the league year in year out since you've come in. I don't think you've even had a bad year, and it's all because of Sandy Smith. And he, he routinely, I mean, he's putting DeAndre Elliott, a homegrown player, into Europe. And he's got Jordan Morris, this young kid that's coming out of um, Stanford. He's going to come in and probably within another three years, he'll be over in Europe. That's a great setup from top to bottom. And he's the one that's put it together. And people can people can say this. Think of this. Sidney Schmidt is probably the second greatest soccer coach this country has produced outside of Bruce Arena. And they've both been going back as far as that. They played against each other in the, what is that, the 70s, I think. Yeah. But um, but that's just that's just nuts. But what do you, I mean, what do you see? I mean, because you do the analytics and the, what do you see with with the MLS Cup with New England and L.A. coming playing, playing each other? Ah, okay. Well, you know, New England is a team that historically this year was below 50% in possession. Okay, so that says either one of two things, really. They're a counterattacking team or they're a direct attacking team. And, and you know, the overall run of play and with Jermaine Jones in there in uh, win, uh, they're, they're not a direct attacking team. They're a counterattacking team that can move the ball quickly in transition. Uh, and they have the speed and they have the fullbacks that have the control to support that style of play. Um, so, you know, this this is going to be a game where L.A. is going to possess. And I think L.A., even if L.A. didn't have home field advantage, I think L.A. would possess anyhow. They would possess the ball more. Now, the hard part for L.A. is New England can sit deep, and they have sat deep, and they will sit deep. Um now, you know, how deep they sit in the first 10 minutes versus, you know, 20 minutes or 30 minutes or, or 60 minutes into the game. You know, I think that that, that might vary uh, depending on scoreline. Um, but I don't, I don't see New England looking to dominate possession. 
Um, I think the the style of play that you saw Seattle take in playing L.A. is the style of play that you'll see from New England when they take on L.A. Um, you know, Jermaine Jones is going to be, you know, Osvaldo Alonso. Um, you know, as far as, you know, having the point in the attacking midfield, you know, I wouldn't say that Seattle plays that way. I think they, they work with Dempsey or Obafemi Martins rotating as a false uh, attacking midfielder who then gets support from the other forward. Uh, and then if they're playing Nagel, then from the other forward. Um, you know, with with Wynn on the pitch, I think you'll probably see uh, see him more central. He'll, I think he'll, he'll certainly go out on the wings, especially given the space that they'll have on the pitch. I mean, StubHub is a is a big pitch, so um, there'll there'll be lots of space, um, and and I think you know Davis will will play off win. Um, you know, I don't know who else he might start uh, on the attacking side. I did like the combination where he put Tierney in as a left midfielder. Uh, especially given his ability to put in wicked crosses, and I think if there's there's a weakness with L.A., it's Gonzalez in the air. Not because he's not a good header, it's because of poor positional play. Sometimes he loses focus. I don't, I don't know if that kind of answers any initial questions that you had, Stephen. But that's that's kind of oh. how I, I picture how that that run of play will go. And I uh, think that, that the yeah, go ahead. You add a degree of sophistication and and statistics to the show, and most of which I'm still trying to learn, which is, which is fun. So, so I was just wondering with what, what you know, because these two teams have played each other a lot in these title games, and being selfish as I as I can be, I part of me wants to see the LA Galaxy win get their fifth one and send Landon Donovan out because I'm still kind of perturbed by that whole, let's have a friendly testimonial for Landon against Ecuador in some foreign place. And we'll have, we'll have the crazy German try to hug him and say some stuff to him. I, that, that, that whole, that whole U.S. national team friendly thing just bugged me to no end. And the fact that he's getting one last game was nice. Now, Terry Henry didn't get to go out with a title, but New York City can lose a title, can lose titles every every year. I, I'm I'm glad with that. I'm still smarting over that the New York Yankees play every so often. It just anyway. <laughs> um, well, I was yeah, a Cleveland Indians baseball fan, so if anybody knows frustration, I do. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Oh yeah, especially I mean, yeah. as, as I was joke as I was joking, I'm a Kansas City Royals fan. The fact that we got to the World Series this year surprised me. The fact that the, the fact that we got the fact that we didn't choke after May still surprised me. So I mean, I'm it, it's going to be fun next year, real lot of fun. Um, I just want I just want to I hope by the time we come back to talk next week, oh, we're going to have fun because we have one of your we have actually Chris has been pulling in some really impressive guests. We have someone I can't I can't remember the name of next week, but we are we've got the president in two weeks. Not the, not the, we don't have Barack. Don't worry. We're the president of the Houston Flash, Houston Dash, coming on in in two weeks. We're gonna go an hour. No, no, Houston Dynamo. Chris Kennedy. Okay, he's, he's a president yeah. for for Houston Dynamo. Okay, I didn't know if because they. They are both teams. I didn't know if he was the um, president of the the Dash also. I didn't know if he was the um, women's coach. And that, the women's, um, I don't know if he was part of the women's team either. So, But we're, we're going to yeah, talk about the Houston, you know, oh, about the Houston Dynamo in a couple of weeks. So, Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, um, we've, we've got some a couple of topics for the discussion. Um that that will kind of refresh people on next week, I think, Stephen. The, the name of the, of our guest next week is Tim Bustell. He's uh, his Twitter 
is uh, at 7 a.m. kickoff. Uh, he's got a huge following. He's an Arsenal Gunners supporter, and he's also a guy that likes statistics. Uh, and he, he does a great job of blending uh, some of the statistics that he looks at, especially uh, expected goals, etc., um, with with his discussions about Arsenal. Uh, his his site is uh, 7 a.m. kickoff. And let me just I'll go back real quick to the Houston Dynamo. Um, give me a minute. Oh, no problem. Also, while you while you're looking this up, I I I, I kicked off a hornet's nest with one of my last one of my last columns, and I want to thank the pro well people for listening to my podcast. Because it's obvious with all the hate you've been sending me that you obviously do listen, because you guys are remarking things I haven't put in writing ever. So I want to thank Ted and all his friends for pointing out that yes. 15, 17 years ago, I was tear gassed in Italy. Most people know this, and I don't need to go to Iraq to watch a game. If you guys are going to come after me about what I wrote, be original. I have no problem with you guys trolling me. Be original. If you say you want me to go to a bad game to see bad teams, I will go to a Leeds United match, and I hate Leeds. And yeah. also, the other, the other thing, I don't know if you saw this, but Orlando City FC really put their foot in their mouth. They said, what is the best way to get your wife to go to a game? Buy, the, buy her a jersey. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get the, the logic with, with Orlando City. But that, just, just to jump back for a second, Chris Canetti will be joining us on the 16th of December. He's the... Uh, team president for Houston Dynamo, and the topics we have for the discussion will be um, the the efforts that the Dynamo are taking to replace Dominic Kinnear, the where did it go? Two is how Houston intends to get back into a better position to compete for a playoff spot next year, which might be six playoff spots as opposed to five. And then three general items of interest that Chris is, uh, will be willing to discuss with respect to MLS as a whole, i.e. the collective bargaining agreement, allotment money, drafting, etc. And, you know, by that time, actually, there'll, there'll be probably be some clarity on the MLS playoffs for next next season. So, so Chris Canetti in two weeks and Tim Bustell next week. Anyhow, yeah, back to Orlando fair. City. Yeah, I, I don't get I don't get the I don't get the um reason for putting that. Now they retracted completely because a bunch of our favorite soccer writers and I don't know if you know a couple I don't know if you know Josie ba- I think it's Baxter or Baker. She does the LA LA Galaxy blog and um Alicia Rodriguez. I don't know if you know Alicia at all. I'm familiar with Alicia. We've talked on the phone a few times. Uh, the other person, no, no awareness at all. Uh, yeah, J- Josie and Alicia used to do a podcast for a while, and then, uh, and obviously Alicia, Alicia had her, her her daughter's adorable. Her little daughter's adorable right now. And Alicia and I, I used to write with Alicia about a year and a half ago. But they, all bunch of the soccer writers that are women in the sport, and I. Don't envy them. I really don't. Kicked up because you want to be a little bit more sexist. Why don't you do? Here's the way you take a girl to a game: you ask her. And well, well that seems Kyla, the simple thing. Yeah, Kayla Napp was saying. So, I when I started out with all this, I should have just been given a jersey instead of spending my last spending my life going through this. And for those who don't know, Kyla Napp. Kayla Knapp writes and works for Fox Fox Soccer out in L.A. and goes to all the if, – if you've been to a big game, you've seen her and her and a bunch of her friends there. 
of course, Orlando City has had some real fun recently with their goalkeeper tweeting racial slurs at people and then burning burning, burning down the stands at a Tampa Bay Rowdies game. So they're going to be real fun next year. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, I mean, that tweet, now that you say the context of it, um, you know, kind of reminds me of some of the issues that, that I just have in general with MLS. There's more interest, I think, at times in getting the word out through the media that MLS exists, if you will, go buy the jersey, go buy this, go buy that, or read this, read that. It's an inflammatory headline that has nothing whatsoever to do with what's within the article. You know, sometimes I think MLS focuses too much on the hits associated with, you know, advertisements as opposed to the content and context of good soccer that's sound, strong, works from the back, and goes forward. It's like MLS franchise as a whole is playing direct attacking media, you know, as opposed to building from the back. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It, it, it seems kind of odd that one of the newer teams would say that, but we should we should be shouldn't be surprised because they're not. Orlando City won't be the last. I mean, God, we we hear stupid stuff coming out of Europe all the time about this. Well, the next two weeks are going to be fun. Uh, we might go to we might do uh, the Christmas show again this year. I'm going to see if I can get see what Ryan Seelock to come in for. This. Usually, usually, guys, I don't do a um. I w- I wouldn't do a show during a break with my father, but. It's going to be Christmas. I'm going to be home. I have my feet up with a with a boring sweater on. So we might we might have fun on the 22nd. I'm still 22nd or 23rd. I'm still trying to figure out. But we'll be off. We'll be off after Christmas for not a bit for a bit. I'm trying to figure out some things for the new year because I do want to take this show to an upper level. And one of it might be a donation clause in. This because I do want to get this show supported because at, at some certain point paying for my own show is going to be kind of obnoxious. I'm not asking for money. I'm kind of thinking like the total soccer show does. We, there's some creative thoughts in my mind, and I'm going to send it into in an email to Chris. And we're, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun next year. I, so I think I'm going to try to take the show on the road to Columbus or Toronto or anything. Um, do you have anything coming up writing this week? Um, you know, I'll, I'll be busy looking at the EPL. Um, I talked Borussia Dortmund last week. I talked how to get better as a youth soccer coach last week. Um, you know, my, my, is European football really higher quality than major league soccer? I mean, that's, uh, I talked that that's, that's had a lot of traffic. I talked, uh, Malaga versus Almira in La Liga last week. Um, and you know, this week I think it it'll be uh, I'll probably do something on Southampton. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they do a bit of a slide here, three games in a row. Given they've, I think they've got, oh, geez, is it Arsenal, Man United coming up uh, after yeah, they just man, got beat? Man yeah, it's Man yeah, United. Yeah, they just got it's beat like by Man, man City. Arsenal. Yeah. So, you know, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And then, uh, you know, the continued focus on Borussia Dortmund, uh, one of the top teams in the Champions League, happens to be at the bottom of the Bundesliga. Um, And it's like, boy, you talk about pear-shaped. So, you know, a lot's going on in Europe. And and I think probably next week with Tim, we'll probably talk a little bit about Arsenal anyhow. So um, I'll be catching up on Europe and then preparing – I might actually do a pre-match for New England against LA, but you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see spending a lot of time on that because New England is a counter-attacking team, and LA is a possession-based team. So I think you know, if you're somebody who watches soccer, you're going to pick that up in the first two minutes and two seconds. Uh, after, of course, the initial ping-pong ball uh, that goes back and forth before people start to, you know, get burned in, if you will, to the, to the game itself. So, no, that's it for me, Stephen. All right, well, that's it for us. We're off in about a second.
Steve Brandt, Chris Gluck, and I will talk to you guys next week. Okay, bye-bye.